Welcome to Third Floor Views, where we at Chesapeake Family Life talk about health, education, and living with kids. I'm your host, Janet Jefferson. Today, we are discussing how to transform your dog into a confident, well-behaved family member. Here with us is trainer Christy Faber from the Perfect Pet Resort and Elizabeth Cheney, owner of the Perfect Pet Resort. So thank you for being here with us today. So first off, I want to start with both of you just telling us a little bit more about your background because there's a lot more there than just trainer and owner. So Elizabeth, can you start just talking just briefly about your background and a little bit about how the Perfect Pet Resort got started? Sure. So when the Perfect Pet Resort got started, it originated with a passion for all animals, but specifically for dog training. So I grew up training dogs all of my life. In fact, I think my, well, I know my high school required how-to speech was how to train a dog. So I think it, it originated quite some time, quite some time ago, because it's been a while. So then uh, I started a training company, a dog training company in 1999. And that evolved actually into Perfect Pet Resort that opened in 2003. So um, it has a, its origins in dog training and a passion for the human dog bond. So that's, that's kind of how, how we started here and been going strong ever since. Christy, how about you? What's a little bit about your background? Cause I know it's more than just, just dogs. Well, I've started with the perfect pet resort back in 2007, teaching, you know, puppy classes and basic obedience, but I came on with the passion for dog agility as a sport I had taken on with my border collies. Before that, I was a avid and passionate horse person, and I did a lot of competition. I did a lot of teaching, probably since I was mm, a teenager, started riding, went on to be a professional you know, d- a horse trainer and riding instructor. So that was my life's passion. But as I went along, the horses were more and more challenging to maintain to continue with and I turned to my dogs and so then I continued my passion for not only animals but teaching with with the dogs with Perfect Pet Resort which was amazing because I could now help people understand and have better relationships with their dogs so I always am very fortunate to be here with Elizabeth to share this this excellent place to share that passion for helping people with their dogs. Well, thank you both for joining us today. I imagine that you're very busy right now because in this pandemic, a lot of people being stuck at home have realized that they they need some more companionship. So a lot of people have gone out and acquired a new family pet. So I'm sure right now, often people are thinking, hmm, maybe I should explore some dog training and see if maybe this puppy or this older adopted dog maybe could use a few more manners. So let's start off with sort of the big question of why should you train your dog? Elizabeth, why, why is training a dog important? A lot of reasons, but I would say first and foremost, it's about developing a relationship with your dog a greater understanding and better communication between the two. Uh, we, it's, it's very, dog training is all about understanding uh, dog language and what the dog is communicating to us so that we can then set, set the dogs up to learn and be successful. And we live a very high quality, harmonious life together. That's, that's training. Training is not teaching a command. It's about learning and, and that, that bond and that relationship, which is so, so unique and beautiful with a dog. 
Now, I know that there are a lot of different philosophies on dog training out there. Could you maybe speak just to a few of those categories? And so I know a lot of our families out there are trying to decide like, okay, yes, I do want to train my dog, but, but I don't know sort of where to begin or what to look for. So could you speak to just a few of those different ideas or philosophies when it comes to, to training? Christy, why don't you just speak a little bit about some of your philosophies that you use? So I have a mixture of philosophies because every dog and every, you know, dog owner or family is a little different in their goals and their experience. So there is, there are trainers that have only positive, you can only use positive rewards. There are trainers that use only correction. I'm a mixture of two, the two. I love to use positives. I love to use treats, use, you know, praise, use other rewards as in let's go for a walk, let's go outside, let's do some fun things together, let's play with a toy. Those are all rewards for the dog. But there has to be sometimes consequences. So, you know, puppy has gone having the evening zoomies and is trying to chew on everything and everyone. They might need just a little moment in their crate by themselves, a little time out to chill out, chew on a bone, regroup, and let the rest of the family regroup to bring that puppy out again and, and work together. So sometimes there has to be consequences for that dog. So I like a good mixture of that. It, it's all based on understanding what the dog is saying, observing what the puppy's doing or older dog, and being able to help that dog be the best they can. Mm -hmm. Can I, if I can add something, Janet, to training is as is, is much about, it's, it's really shaping. So you are starting with what Christy said, the, the dog and the people. And there are no dogs that are the same and no people that are the same. So you really need to look at both and say, and, and the, their goals. So, you, you know, you have to start with an understanding of the dog and, and shape. And when Christy talks about consequences, it's not necessarily, and she's putting, using the crate as a timeout to maybe limit options so the puppy isn't getting, you know, itself into you know, these, all these undesirable behaviors that people are getting upset about is actually a nice place where the dog can rest from the people as much as the people <laughs> break from the dog. So it's consequences can be very, it's all a part of teaching and shaping, not necessarily corrective measures. You're, you're, you may be correcting a, an undesirable behavior by presenting a better option for the dog to choose. That makes a lot of sense. In terms of, so my background is, is a teacher, and so I'm dealing with children, not with dogs. But, you know, these are all family members, and, you, you know, you want to be teaching, teaching children and dogs both with kindness, and, but also with consequences. And a simple, a simple timeout or a break or a rest period, I think, makes a lot of sense <laughs> for both children and dogs. So... A lot of people right now, they do have new animals at home and are probably thinking, well, should I give this a go myself? Would you suggest trying to train a dog yourself? And, and obviously not you, but sort of a person who doesn't have a lot of experience training. Why or why not? And at what point would you recommend that someone seek a professional trainer? Elizabeth, if you could just speak about that a little bit. So I think that uh, being involved in training is very important. So there's so many different ways of doing that. I, I certainly believe that a trainer, uh, an experienced trainer is very beneficial and can help you progress really in the, in the right direction quickly, pretty quickly and efficiently. There's so many myths and misconceptions 
out there, uh, you know, and, and so many, there's lots of great information as well, but there's also a lot of misconceptions and a lot of things and techniques and, and lots of um, things that you can read, but having an instructor, having a true instructor who's going to help you see your own dog and the characteristics of your own dog and what your dog needs to help you achieve the goals that you have set out for the family. So I think that uh, having a trainer for guidance is really important. Some, some people, and, and the level of guidance varies from, you know, a stay and train program, for example, or private lessons, and, and the number can be anything that it needs to be to achieve the, the goal and, and help the people where they need to be and help the dogs, help the dogs get what they need mm. from their family. So, yeah. So it sounds like a trainer is really useful in, in moving forward as sort of quickly as possible and that without a trainer, you could potentially run into a fair number of dead ends and, and not be successful and then maybe be a little more frustrated along the way uh, and maybe even pick up some, some other less desirable behaviors than you were intending. That's exactly right. And, and some of it is just guidance so to avoid some of the maybe more common or not so common mistakes that are made. And, you know, again, one dog, you know, your neighbor's dog has a different need than your dog. Right. You know, both in training and in, in life, you know, one dog may need more exercise and another dog may not require as much. So one might need more mental stimulation and one, eh, not so much, you know? <laughs> <laughs> not quite as much. So it's very important that you work with someone who can help you really maximize that relationship and that bond and, and to achieve the goals and, and meet everyone's needs. Yeah, that makes, again, I, I have children and a dog, so I feel like with my teacher's background, I can speak a little bit to this and not get in too terrible much trouble, but there is so many similarities to teaching. It, at the end of the day, it is just teaching, and when I'm teaching students, I'm going to think about what each individual student needs, same with the dog, so I can see the importance of having a trainer who really has that specialty in knowing different dog personalities and, and what each individual dog would need, so the the importance of having that trainer there. Let's talk a little bit about what training right now looks like, because you already spoke a little bit about some individualized attention um, or maybe even a class. Since we are in the middle of a pandemic with the rules changing sort of potentially every day in terms of what's the, you know, what's allowed and what's not in terms of contact, what are classes or a training looking like for you right now? You know, is it virtual? Is it in person? Is it individual? Is it classes? So what are the different offerings that you have? Christy, could you just speak a little bit to, to what training looks like these days? So I do a lot of group classes and private lessons. So my group classes, I've made the numbers small so we can spread out and have a lot of space. There's plenty of time to work with each person a bit. And then there's plenty of time for questions and being able to wrap the session up, get those people comfortably out and meet the next you know, group to come into the room. So my group classes have become much smaller in size. Mm -hmm. So I have many, many, many more group classes, <laughs> many more hours of group classes. And what's interesting is people can now come in the afternoon. Uh, they don't commute, they're at home. So they can wrap up their day a little earlier or you know, miss out on that long drive. And so my two, three, four o'clock time spots are full, which is, which is great. So people can get out earlier in the day and enjoy their dog 
do some training. I also do, you know, private lessons one-on-one and I have agility as well classes. And those also have, you know, I've made them much smaller and you really have to sign up for a spot. So I know exactly who's coming, you know, to keep the numbers correct. And then if weather is permitting, we head outside. Gotcha. So are all these, all these classes right now though, are in person, is that correct? Yes. So we were talking about, you know, all the information out there on the internet and things you can look at for dog training. But to me, there is, there's nothing like being right there in the moment with someone, with their dog, being able to say, oh, right there. Did you see that dog's face change? Did you see his face change? There he's really thinking. And just to be right there to, to communicate that to someone one-on-one in person. And I've always felt that way with, with horse training as well. They were, you know, there's talk of, well, we can, you know, do a Zoom lesson. And I thought, wow, that doesn't sound real to me. And what's really amazing about COVID now is that people seem to be wanting to get outside, get closer to nature, and, and dogs are a big part of that. So because you're outside, do you, are you encouraging people to wear masks? Are you able to socially distance far enough that that's not an issue? Or how is, how is that working? So it depends on the situation. So a lot of times I have, you know, the whole family wants to come and said, well, let's head outside. We can all be there. But most often, you know, I'm coming within, you know, range to, you know, touch the dog or speak to people. So most often we're wearing our masks even outside the whole time. Occasionally, if we get far enough away and someone's running an agility course, I'll let them take their mask off so they can run and breathe (laughs) through their course. (laughs) So, and it's working well. Everyone appreciates, you know, the safety. Uh, We've got, you know, hand sanitizer everywhere. And, you know, we definitely, Perfect Pet is doing an amazing job with, with all the protocol as far as keeping everything really clean and, and sharp as far, you know, as far as cleanliness and safety. So it sounds like that even though we are in the middle of a pandemic, that it's easy to, to sign up for a class, do it in person, do it safely, and be able to train your dog in sort of a, a really happy, healthy environment. Um, so that's really good news. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and classes aren't our only option. So it, it really, when the pandemic first started, we do and we can offer Zoom lessons or virtual lessons. And we have done that. And, you know, for some people that is uh, comfortable and convenient and, and we have been able to do that and do it successfully. Mm. Some people have signed it up, signed up for virtual lessons weekly. And that has been, you know, that's been a big benefit to them. Other programs that we have, we do, we have seen, you know, a lot of demand for classes as well as for our stay and train programs. And those programs are when a dog comes in and stays with us, it's lots of handling, lots of socialization opportunities, exercise and training and learning at the same time. And some people have some, the, the, that fits for people who uh, may be going on vacation, who may not want to come necessarily for a lesson because there's, there's only interaction at, privately upon the pickup of your dog and subsequent private lessons. So that's another, that's another option for, for, the, for those people. As far as our classes and Christy, we, we are limiting our classes to four and we have a very large room for four people and with, that are allowed to bring only one guest. So we're limiting the guests that they are allowed to bring at this time. And um, everyone wears masks and, and spreads out and social distances inside. So 
and everyone is doing very well with it. So yes, your question, you know, basically was, oh, um, not only are people able to train their dogs, but they're able to train their dogs quite well right now with the flexibility, with that connection. And, and so many people have reached out and, and adopted dogs or um, added a new dog to their, their family. And it really is a beautiful thing. It's beautiful. It sounds like there, there are even more options right now for, for training than, than maybe there were before, since you do have the virtual as well. So it sounds like kind of the perfect time to, to dip your toes into dog training. I do want to ask a little bit about how much of training is about training the owner versus training the dog. And especially if you're doing training a dog over a prolonged period of time, or maybe they're staying, the dog is staying with you, but then you hand the dog back over. At some point, the, the owner needs to know what the plan is and sort of what happened and, and how to move forward. So when you are training, how, how involved are your people opposed to the dogs? And, and how much of it is, is training the dog versus training the person? Elizabeth, I'll let you get started with this. Sorry. I was going to say Christy would, is, would be. Oh, here. go for it. Christy, you can no, start. But, um, I, I can, I can, well, Christy, you start and then I'll, I'll, I'll definitely chime in. So it, so the stay in trains are a great way for people, for the dog to get a head start on understanding mm-hmm. what is expected of them, understanding some skills from the professional who has, you know, who has great timing, who has worked with a million dogs and can, actually teach them a lot of things in a short period of time. So, but then the whole transition to now that dog doing really well in the household is that the, then the owner, the person, the handlers are on board with all that information. So I do a lot of the classes and actually teaching the people is, (laughs) is my main focus that teaching them how to read their dog, teaching them the techniques, the timing, you know, how to deliver a treat effectively, just tiny things like that that make such a big difference. And the dogs, your average dog people bring are just lovely animals willing and wanting to learn, you know, enthused to be there in class and, you know, just getting the two of them together on the same page. The stay in trains, if their dog's having some difficulty or, you know, getting that jump start on understanding is, is an awesome way to start. Yeah, that makes sense. So the bottom line is it's very much about people. Yeah very much about, about well, it's really about that connection. And one of the, one of the things that, that we'll hear somewhat often is my last dog wasn't like this. <laughs> <laughs> and that's fun because that's an opportunity. That's an opportunity. Right. Each dog teaches us different things. Mm-hmm. And so we're learning different handling. We're learning different body language. We're just learning different personalities and different training techniques. And, and it's, it's, it's fun. It's fun to get, get those opportunities. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, ex- dogs are just like people, and the fact that not people aren't the same either. Whether it be your your family members or your children or, or whoever, the personalities are always different. Can you talk just a little bit about the differences in training a puppy versus training an older dog? And for those who maybe who have adopted a slightly older dog, or maybe even a dog that's middle-aged or beyond, what, what that process looks like. Can, can people still train their dog? Christy, why don't we start with you? So it, it all depends. Hmm. So people have adopted older dogs that are just absolutely lovely, ready to go on and do whatever you want. They're already mature. They've got a lot of, you know, skills, a lot of life skills. 
and now they're ready just to be a good companion. Then there are older dogs people adopt that you know have some maybe fear issues where they really need to just help them gain confidence. Maybe they didn't have that early socialization as a puppy, or maybe they have picked up some habits in their old life. So then it's just helping that you know that person with their new dog fit into their household and over maybe overcome some of those you know worries or things that they have coming forward. Puppies tend to be, you know, they're a blank slate. So <laughs> I love working with puppies. I have how many puppies in puppy class right now, Elizabeth? It's just amazing. I have like six or seven puppy classes because oh, uh, wow. you know, they're small. But I so much enjoy puppies and I just love to see them learn. Now they have a lot of energy, which can be daunting. And people get a puppy of maybe the same breed they had before, but this puppy is completely different. My old dog never did this as a puppy. So yeah, they sometimes forget what kind of work it is to raise a puppy, but just helping them with the schedule, getting their puppy on a schedule. And during COVID, this has been totally different because they're home all the time. So they forget the puppy needs, you know, rest time, play time, eat time, you know, and, and get them on a nice schedule instead of having them out and about and busy all the time. <laughs> and then the older dog, you know, sometimes they, you know, they have just the skills to go on. I've had people come in and, and do the more advanced classes and really enjoy sort of learning from the older dog. So that's fun as well. I have a question from a viewer right now along this line of changing schedules. So here we are in this pandemic and so many people are home all the time. And so we've really changed our schedule for our dog. And one of the viewers is noticing that she's seen new behaviors in her dog that she, she hasn't seen before. And some of those are, are potentially problem behaviors. And so she's wondering any advice that you'd have for maybe new problematic behavior. And if you are seeing some of your clients come in. Like I've had this dog forever. I love this dog, but now with a change of routine, we have a new relationship and we have some new challenges. And um, what would you recommend to, to some of those people? Well, sure. This has happened. And it is mostly because now we're home all the time. Our dog has a different schedule. And most often our dog has, you know, way more freedom all the time. And it's interesting because dogs watch us and our routines and our habits and they start to figure out, you know, when we're going to leave the house or when this is happening or when that's happening. And so they're learning a lot just by being with us and watching us. And then they might try things that work for them, but maybe we're not so sure we want them doing that particular behavior. So it would just, it would have to be an individual, you know, look at this situation. I couldn't give you one formula <laughs> For the for to answer that question, well, we 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 have seen this this a lot, and it's good to recognize. I mean, it's good to recognize and also understand it from the dog's perspective that it is a big change for them. Mm -hmm. So um, we have to acknowledge it, and then again, try and uh, think about what is going on from the dog's perspective. If we are always home and and they are barking, newly barking at us because we're sitting there and on a Zoom conference, for example, what can we do to help that dog adjust to our new schedule? And so, and, and along the same lines, it might be worth mentioning that if we anticipate ourselves, I mean, which I guess that's a bit unknown, but you know, what's what may happen in the future in terms of our schedules that we ease our dogs into potentially new schedules, you know, not so abruptly. So one day we're there all the time and the next day, 
you know, we're gone all the time. So there may be, you know, for people that are at home and are thinking about, you know, possible things in the future, even if it's, well, it's time that I can, you know, go back and spend a little bit more time in the grocery store, even for example, that's, a, that's an adjustment that, that, as Christy mentioned, dogs notice. They pick up on, you know, everything that we do. As you, you know, you know, when you pick up your keys or put your coat on, your dog knows that you're, you're headed out the door. <laughs> so, so, you know, it's just, it's, it's important to kind of think about that from a dog's perspective and hopefully set them up to succeed if our schedule were to change again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Let's say you've identified the fact that you need a trainer and would like to move forward with that. What is the best way to find a trainer that, that meets your needs? So how would you recommend someone go about sort of shopping for a trainer? Elizabeth, why don't you take a stab at that one? Sure. Okay. So uh, research, definitely research. It's a, it's a pretty big question. So there are a lot of dog trainers and um, I think it's important to, to do research on their background, what, you know, what they have done, where they've learned. There's, there are schools for dog training, there are, but there's very limited certifications hmm. through widespread certification or parent organization. So it's important to, to, really, to really do your research and, and find out all, all of the experiences, how many dogs have been trained, where they've trained, you know, what types of techniques they use, will it fit what you're looking for with your dog? So there's, yeah. And, and, and when you are comparing trainers, you really have to do your best to, to compare apples to apples. Mm-hmm. Something might sound great, but you really need to dig a little bit deeper because an experienced trainer or one that can really truly help you succeed and be very successful and help your dog with whatever, if it's, if it's uh, you know, a puppy that you want to raise uh, with, with few mistakes or as few as possible, <laughs> or, um, or an older dog with maybe some, some problems, um, it is important to, to recognize the, the experience behind the trainer. So, so, you know, people start online, people start by asking their neighbors, people start by asking their veterinarians, Uh, There's lots of ways to go about it. Well, I just want to say thank you so much for joining us today. So thank you both to Christy and Elizabeth and all your years of expertise. And it sounds like you definitely have your hands full right now with with lots of puppies and older dogs and and people, lots of people. So thank you for being here with us today to answer so many of our questions about dog training. We love to hear your thoughts, comments, and questions. If you enjoyed what you heard today, check out more at thirdfloorviews.com. I'm Jenna Jefferson. This is Third Floor Views. Thank you for listening.